Welcome to Bold Becoming Identity Retooled. This podcast is where we explore the landscape of the immensity of landmines that exist for people who've lost their sense of identity, who've been shaken to the core, and are relearning who they are now that a part of them is lost. It's stories of how people manage this struggle, regain their footing, and the gifts they've discovered along the way. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, Susan, here we are. Hi, Julie. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, thanks for showing up. And you're one of the very brave ones that is actually floundering in the middle of identity loss Mm -hmm. and figuring out where, how to put yourself back together. And I want to do a little bit of introduction here just for our guests, because this interview, we have to treat as an audience with a little bit of kid gloves, because in this case, the personal is political. And what I'm asking you to do as an audience is to withhold judgment on Susan's situation. Basically, we're not going to ask Susan to justify or explain her choice. And we're going to talk about her identity loss, which is in the context of the COVID vaccine and choosing not to take the COVID vaccine. But that's not the content of this interview. The content of this interview is her experience of identity transition as a result of that choice of hers. And we're just gonna talk about the experience of the identity loss because she is in the middle of the trenches because she has been a nurse for 30 years, right? Yeah, more, a little over 30 years, yes. Yeah. And as you put it, last year you were a hero and now you're a villain because Mm -hmm. you aren't taking the COVID shot and Mm -hmm. we're not going to go into why or justify any of that, but that is her case. And because of mandates or laws, or I don't know what they are. Mandates. Yeah. Mandates Mm -hmm. of employers of more than a hundred people she cannot continue in her job as a nurse, even though she's working from home or an insurance company. But Mm -hmm. so that's, that's sort of all we're going to go into as far as, well, I'm not saying that's all we're going to go into, but that I'm just setting up the context that I know this is a completely tragic for every side of the issue what I want, what I want you as an audience to listen to, to do as you listen is to just be listening to Susan's truth. She's not going to try to convince you of anything, nor am I. And just the truth of her experience, because this is, this is actually a really rare opportunity to talk to somebody right at the precipice of falling into identity loss, having the rug pulled out from under you. And most people who are in that position, they might not really want to feel strong enough to show up and talk about what's going on because it's, because the, so where she is, there's an anthropological name for it. It's called, she's in liminality. She is no longer what she used to be and she can't go back her Mm -hmm. truth is that she can't go backwards and be that nurse. And she's not where she's going to be later 
because she doesn't know where that place is. She is like really trying to put the pieces back together. Now, have I described your situation very well, Susan? Yes, very well. I think, yeah, spot on. Yeah, I mean, I've since childhood, I wanted to be a caregiver and I did paramedical work. I was a paramedic for quite a few years. I was a candy striper even when I was, you know, uh, 11 and 12 years old. So I've always wanted to be a person that took care of people. So that's because of, as you explained, why I'm not that, I have that opportunity now going forward. That's a huge part of who I am, you know, and even when I did an interview with my friends for part of another program I was in, I asked them, what do you come to me for? What do you, when you think of Susan McDonald, what do you think of? And they think, oh, I go to you when I have health questions. I go to you when for science information, you know, how to, what I should ask my doctor, you know, all these things that go along with that identity that I had, you know? Um, so it's really hard right now. And most people don't know what to say to me because, you know, it, it's such a, a major part of me. And they heard that I can't be that now. They're just like, oh my gosh, you know, what are you going to do? So wait, so let's not get into what are you going to do right now? I want to know okay. how I feel. What are you right now? How, who are you right now? How does it feel to have that identity just evaporated? Yeah, yeah it, it, it is. It's very difficult. It's very, very difficult because especially in the caring professions, I think we we become more of our, of our role than say, maybe someone that's a baker, not to, to downplay a baker, but you know, someone that it's not a role where you are literally putting life and death and you're dealing with life and death on a daily basis. Um, so I, I do, I feel like, a, a fish out almost, of water. I, yeah, I'm a fish out of water. And it, it's some, and I do question sort of the value that I hold in the space that I'm in. Luckily I'm still a mom, you know, and I'm a wife and a daughter but those things, a lot of people are those things. And, you know, you can, you can be the perfect daughter. You can be the perfect mother as, as best to the best of your abilities. But, you know, with nursing, it was, it, there was a huge part of the fulfillment of that was caring for people and seeing my interventions and my care and my love of, of people and humanity affecting lives going forward. I mean, I, I can't tell you the number of times I've run into someone that I took care of or someone that I encouraged to even go into the, the role of nursing. There was a secretary from a hospital that I had encouraged like, yeah, in 10 years, you, what are you going to be in 10 years if you don't go through the 10 years of school? You know, because she was trying to use that as an excuse. You know, I met her on the stage at Azusa Pacific when they were giving me an award. I could, didn't recognize her. And she came up and hugged me as like, you changed my life. You know, and say, I literally have saved multiple lives. And so those people part of me, my identity as a nurse and the skills and the education and the passion I had in that to find like why I was taking up space. My, my God, I'm a very religious person. My God gave me, that is what I'm here for. You know, that's, that is my divine assignment, you know, up until a couple of weeks ago or a month or so ago. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's a challenge because it, it makes, you know, it, it affects not so much like how I look at myself physically or what have you. I try to try to be as healthy as I can, but more of like, of my value in a society, even in my. So I get it because, so I was a medical social worker and I didn't know how much my identity was tied to my job until I didn't have my job anymore. Yeah. And people asked me, cause in, anyway, I haven't maybe told my whole story or maybe the audience hasn't told heard my story, but I lost my job overnight 
as a social worker because my note taking my wrist seized up on me and I got um, repetitive stress injury. I went off on disability and I never got well enough to like do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one day when I'd run into people and I tell them what I did, I was praised Although not every kind of, not everybody loves social workers. There's right. a lot of <laughs> right. <laughs> like yeah. nurses, nurses, universally, we love you, but social workers, there's a little, you have some yeah. tough love that has to go into usually some crisis situations. So I, as a, I was a director of social work at some hospitals. So I, oh. yeah, I'm, oh. yeah. So I understand it was like, oh, I felt bad when they had to go in there and be the tough love person about discharging, you know, home when they weren't ready, they felt like they weren't ready uh, or, and of course, the ones that work with like child protective services. I mean, there's roles that yeah, social work. I mean, I, God I, bless you guys for what you do. Well, so but the outside public didn't necessarily know all those details. And right, so when I would right. tell people on the street, oh, yeah, I'm a social worker. Then, oh, yeah, you're doing, oh, you, bless you, you know, yes, thank yes. you. And then I was disabled. And then it was a invisible disability. Mm-hmm. And I look fine. And so why should I be disabled? And, and so then I got all this judgment because it's like, I had to prove, I had to, t- <laughs> I had to tell my, um, you know, my medical record to people yeah. and yeah. still they, they couldn't, they don't get it because it's a disconnect. Cause you look at a person and they're not, you're not in a wheelchair and that's what they associate the word exactly. disability with. But anyway, yeah. it's just this, is this very, so when people ask me, what do you do? That question has haunted me for years because I can't give them an answer that's going to work for them. And so now you're in this position. Yeah. Well, my father, interesting that you brought that up. My father in this, in the uh, late seventies, early eighties, he was a a human resources director for Caltech and JPL. So, you know, launching rockets and building airplanes, right. Very high up. And he got um, esophageal cancer, secondhand smoke. Oh God. And, and smoked yeah, working right. And right. And then back then the big C word, as he called it, cancer yeah. was, was literally like, yes, like they is. thought it was COVID like a plague. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So, and everybody else was afraid of you too. First it was a death right. sentence. And secondly, yes. other people thought that it was contagious. They, yeah. They right? stayed away from you. Yeah. So here's this man who was, you know, like literally this ran these amazing organizations and he had to have throat surgery. So he, you know, talked like, Kermit the Frog, he used to call himself, or like the, you know, like the mafia man. And it was so tragic for him, but he was also a, a singer. He was a barbershop oh. quartet singer. So, yeah. And so oh. they basically retired him because to them, him giving his, being a personnel director, talking to everybody with that voice and with, you know, the scar and with the cancer word, and they know that people are going to ask him to explain. They, they, they changed who his, what his identity was, you know, I saw that the tragedy. Oh my God. Exactly. So I got to see that happen, you know, and, and to this day, he, he reminisces about it, but you can tell it, it, it really changed who he was. And that was devastating to, to me and my brother, you know, we saw that happen to him as well. So I, I thought nursing would never, ever be something that I wouldn't be. I mean, like on what, what planet until this, did you ever think that a nurse couldn't find some work, could find a way to have an outlet to care for people? It's Even at home as a nurse for a, an insurance, an insurance company. company, looking at computer records at your house. Yep. Yep. I never would have stepped into the office. This, this company was based is, is based in Oregon and I'm in California. And the only way we even know what each other looks like is if we happen to be on a zoom meeting, but it was extremely rare. So 
Yeah. I mean, I, I would never, ever have to be in the building with any of them or with in front of a patient for that matter. I literally am in my own home. Okay. So we don't want to go into yeah. the whole why wise of it of, yeah of, of all this covid mandates and and you know because those things you know they change with the wind and yes and it's very controversial and i just want to really dig into what is going on with you right now to just well what one so one thing that came up in one of our texts mm-hmm. is and so i want to ask you about this how much do you use comparison as a coping mechanism? Because you are in this very devastating situation right now. You are trying to figure out who you're gonna, who you're in the process of becoming. Yeah. And and you have so you have this career loss, mm-hmm. and then there's other kind of losses, and then you know, like I told you about my my teacher's son that died and you're like, well, you know, my situation isn't as bad. And so I'm just wondering how much do we use comparison as a coping mechanism Mm -hmm. and, and really how that, what am I trying to get at here? I do think I, I compare, I compare my losses with, with things, especially now with the world in crisis, I have so many friends that I can say, yeah, but they lost, you know, their mother or they lost a child or, you know, who am I to complain? And the fact that I do have other skills that maybe I can build upon, but it's still a audience. She's an (laughs) incredible artist. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that later. Yeah, please. Um, Yeah. And, you know, I know that I'm, I'm really blessed because I do have a very good support system and I do have, you know, I do have assets, like you said, and skills that God blessed me with, which hopefully I can, I can transition to, but I think in, in comparing is frustrating because the roles of, of all of us, police, fire, nursing, et cetera. I think we all feel like we have gone so far into self-sacrifice and a lot of it was obviously time with our families and, and, you know, being exposed to things. That, yeah, you put your life at risk. Oh, all the time. Yeah. I mean, I, I was in the middle of the LA riots and, you know, and back in the early nineties and actually, actually any, I mean, any day, that was one of the reasons I didn't want to work in a hospital is they have all these diseases. Floating oh yeah. Around. This is like oh, girlfriend, not yeah. COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily I know how to keep my immunity strong, but yeah, that it's, it's something where literally still the top, I don't know if you've ever looked this up, but the top uh, most respected uh, role in, in the United States. And they say, what, what do you, who do you think is, is the, you know, that someone should be lauded, you know, and it's always nurses. So, you know, you always feel like, how the heck can you not be a nurse anymore? I mean, it's not like I went and used drugs or stole something or, you know, committed a murder or, you know, anyway, so comparing, getting back to your comparison question, I do think that it does help, it does help you cope at least temporarily when you compare your situation to people that it's worse off, do you know? Um, I know nurses that are single moms that are literally going to be on the street. They live check to check. So what are they going to do? You know? And I, so I do compare Well, I have assets, I had savings, I had this and that. Yeah. So it shows us what we can be grateful for. Right. Yeah. My gratitude has become stronger every morning. I've always gotten up and, and had a gratitude practice that I learned from Tony Robbins. 
and now I do it twice a day. <laughs> so okay, double you know, it. <laughs> yeah, double. Like he said, double it, double it. It's double part down. Of his, his thing. Double down. And and I, you know, my faith really helps a lot because you know, as much as I've been through so many trauma dramas. If you guys knew my entire life, you'd be like, "What? You're still standing?" You know. And so I always feel like. God got me through all those things, you know, even though I wanted to take a shortcut and maybe I'm trying to take a shortcut through this, even at times I, I try to be still, you know, I try to listen to, you know, what am I supposed to be experiencing here on a, on the bigger picture and on my weaker moments, I, and I don't have my essential oils or whatever, make me, you know, <laughs> calm. Uh, I'm like, why me? So I do go between the why me's and you know, so what is it, what is it like me? to be in your quiet moments right now? Yeah. When, what happens in your quiet moments? Yeah. You know, I cry. Mm -hmm. You allow yourself to cry. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm going to do now. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough. You know, I look at the fact that I have uh, a lot of blessings and I usually am able to, I put in a citrus oil in my diffuser and just take a few huffs of that and lift my spirits and go take a walk and ground myself out in the front yard and you know put my feet on the earth <laughs> and uh really really grateful for a lot of things that uh that i do have and yeah it, it, it is really 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 devastating to feel like i am not a nurse anymore i, I mean i think i i still am but i can't be that for a living meaning that all the work and all the degrees and all the dedication and time put into it isn't going to maintain my lifestyle and move my family forward in a comfortable way. So yeah, I almost I, feel like I've let everybody down too, even though it wasn't my fault. There's a lot of guilt too that I'm feeling. Yeah. But my, my, luckily my quiet moments with, if I have an art outlet, you know, if I've got a doodle pad in front of me, like that elephant, I showed you the picture that was a good stress reliever for me patterns like if i just do you know repetitive drawings sometimes that the channeling of my mind it calms down with you know using pattern drawing patterns you know the the hand eye thing or the hand you know the hand brain thing kicks in but yeah and sometimes it's, it's, you can even go as far as to be kind of in a like a mini panic attack at in times when you start thinking about it you know when i start thinking about banking or the bills coming in or whatever you know, so there's extremes. That's the other thing that's weird about this situation of all the different traumas I've been through with divorces and all sorts of other crazy things. Um, this is the only, you know, trauma I've been through where I go from the extremes, really, you know, I go from super chill about it going, God's got this. I even wear a band on my arm. You can see right here, it says, God's got this mm -hmm. and pray first on my wrist. So I remind myself of that to like literally panic, panic. I have to go and and do other meditative things and, or, you know, I use only uh, natural substances, but take an extra shot of frankincense is what I usually do. And that calms me down, but yeah, it's, you know, my family, my family depends on me. My husband's got some disabilities and his job's affected because of COVID as well. And my kids, you know, had their emotional issues related to isolation from school and friends. So I'm supposed to be the strong one. So it's hard to, keep the even keel. But um, yeah, the identity thing, I, I think my motherhood role has been and my, my daughter role because I have elderly parents and my brother got super sick with COVID. And so I just feel like the nursing hat, the nursing skill is still very core to my family support system. 
and, but that's a big responsibility too, you know? And so, so there's so many definitions. I'm sure you could hang, yeah, well, you know, with your skill, you could hang these titles on what I'm experiencing far better. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm paralleling it with my social work. Like I wasn't getting paid to be a social worker anymore. And yet it didn't stop me from my social work mentality. Brain, yeah. And, you know, and I'm actually looking into taking maybe some other courses so that I can do naturopathic things and holistic things and still serve people. Mm -hmm. So when I'm, I clubhouse is what I'm thinking about. It's a social media platform where, um, I always feel welcomed in there and people thank me profusely just for even just, you know, a simple answer. So I do still get fed that way. You know, I get my, yeah, except no paycheck. There's no paycheck. Exactly. Yeah. But. So at least a part of me is, yeah. is, is bad, yeah. As, as you're sort of backpedaling to see where, where you actually are going to land, at least you can still have an outlet for mm -hmm. your, what comes to you is fun and easy, right? Right, to right. To talk, you know, to listen to people's problems and then yep. like, these are things that you can do. And, and, yep. and I love that too. Yeah. Our joke right now is because I'm really into essential oils. I now, I have a joke that I now say, I have an oil for that. <laughs> Whatever somebody said has a problem. And then I go on and tell them what oil. So um, yeah. And I mean, and praise God, I've got that. I mean, I feel, I would feel bad for, I have some friends in the firefighter venue and even in law enforcement. Anyway, the fire department people, I feel so bad for them because they're trained to put out fires, you know, and that's not something you can get even these little these little tidbits of like, I can get some little tidbits of helping somebody, even if it's my own family member or whatever, or helping somebody in Walmart or, you know, someone asked me advice on social media, at least there's that, you know, I have that. So that's another thing I'm grateful for. It's, a, it's overall, it's a massive, you know, fear cycle of how am I going to support my family and how am I going to move forward with this? And is it going to get worse? Is you know, the mandate stuff, is it going to keep me from doing other things in my life? So it's just a very unstable place to be. And I'm not a spring chicken. I'm 56 years old. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing you start thinking about, wow, I didn't really changing careers at 56. Holy guacamole. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's daunting. I mean, art may be not as daunting, but if, you know, I'm talking about doing podcasting or becoming a holistic um, medicine provider or, you know, these MLMs, these multi-level marketing opportunities, you know, I've never been a salesperson. Yeah. Um, luckily I'm able to believe in what I am getting behind right now, but still it's a whole different personality that fits right. into that. Yeah. Same with me as a social worker to do this personal development work. Right. Yeah. The, the concepts all like are, are simple to me, but how to, you know, how to execute, a, how to find an audience Yeah. and, and yeah. that kind of thing. That's a, that's a, that's all in, in marketing. Yeah. Well, that's why I think like you and I met in, in a podcasting class um, and then I had just finished one that was all about what, how to find your niche, how to, how to be that person. Right. And, and I know about you, but I, I kind of realized how much older I am than many of them in, in there, even though I'm fairly tech savvy, it's just a lot of stuff for the younger generation. You know, we have that extra gr uh, curve of a little slower ad adaptation to these, yeah. these Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm the old lady everywhere. I show up now. It's so weird. The last few yeah, years right? I've realized, oh, wow. I'm, I'm old all of a sudden. Right. Yeah. I'm on, I, the, other, I I'm on the other side of the curve. Yeah. Me coloring my hair purple happened, you know, before pandemic and, you know, I do have gray, but I, I hide it and you never guess my age. Right. So thank goodness. But 
it, yeah, it's a challenge because at this, you know, we all have these standards that we think it, we're going to be where we are in our lives by our age, you yeah. know, at least in your, my generation, at least, you know, by 50, whatever you got, you've got your savings, you got your house, you know, we're going to retire. Your plans are kind of coming around to kind of on the backside of the hill, so to speak. Yeah. And, yes. Yeah. And now that, so that when you think about it, this, this life change that I'm going through has changed all of that. And not just for me, but for my family's expectations, Yeah, you know, I can't like retire my husband, like I wanted to, and you know, 10 more years or whatever necessarily, um, you know, and the kids, I have a dependent son who's going to need me, who knows for how long he may need me as long as I'm alive, because he's got some deficits that need to be supported. So, you know, there's so many things that are behind these people that are losing their careers, you know, not just me, but there's many, many thousands that are in right. similar boats. So I do compare, like to go back to the initial questions yeah. of, is the comparison, I try to still be stoic, you know, I'm, I'm Scots-Irish on one side and Swedish on the other. So I try to like pull those, you know, big, these Swedish shoulders back and be the, you know, I'm, I'm strong. I can do this and my God will protect me. But then the weaker moments, you know, I'm hot, I'm in a corner going, <laughs> so, uh-huh, so, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. And so there's, there, so in, in social work school, I learned about human development. And so you and I, so I lost my social work career when I was like 40 or 41 and wow. you're 52. I'm 56. You're 56. Yeah. So we're both lost our careers in the middle of the generativity mm-hmm. part yeah. of life where yeah. you, you've, you've come someone and now you are doing that someone Yes, and you're getting, you're reaping the rewards, the rewards. all the hard work that it took to get there. And yep. you're, you're also building up so that when you get to the next stage of retirement, you have comfort you're, you know, you're taken care of. Yeah. And yeah. so to, to, to lose your, one of your main identities of how you're supporting yourself yeah. in the middle of that generativity phase of life is very disruptive, very disruptive. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, and, and seriously, I'm in a, I'm in a very expensive neighborhood, expensive home, you know, that was easy for me. You know, when I was working as a nurse, I was making six figures, so to go from six figures to unemployment at 450 a week, you got to do the math there. So my, you know, my decades of saving for ultimately my retirement every month, I'm taking chunks out of that at yeah. this point. So it's got to, it's got to go the other way, or it's going to eventually be a, you know, a significant problem. So one right. of the, um, in this anthropology term of liminality mm-hmm. of you're not where you were and you're not where you're going to be, you're, you're in between thresholds the the main characteristics of this are ambiguity and disorientation do those ring true oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) very much yeah disoriented for sure because honestly that look like well you know especially with a covid lifestyle it's not like i can't go right i can't go run out and and create another sort of well, yes yeah, so so you you've lost your career <laughs> right on top of it we have this new society mm-hmm. of covid with so limitations so yeah even without covid it would have been bad enough to lose your exactly right now exactly and so but, now the disorientation under covid give i'm sorry i interrupted you but no I, that's no that was a great 
you know, in, uh, input there. Yeah, the disorientation is is really a challenge because you can't really put yourself in just another vignette, you know, that you're used to, you know, as far as maybe someone with my healthcare knowledge could go into another in-person role. Like, let's just say I lost my nursing license because I did, you know, I did something wrong or whatever. Yeah, but I still, for the yeah there you go. So, <laughs> something like that. Something that was like harmless, but yet, you know, I lost my well, license. Well, I wouldn't call that harmless. But, but, but I, you know what I mean? Harmless as far as I didn't kill somebody. You started, <laughs> you started using some of the drugs for yourself. No. <laughs> right. That, yeah. And that happens, you know, I'm luckily oh, not. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In that sense, though, I could then go be an office manager or I could go and be, you know, a doctor's assistant if I found a private practice where I could be that person. But, you know, now these are so regulated and people, my own family, you know, because I'm not vaccinated, there's still there's still this whole change of role and change of opportunity. So that's the disorientation is like, I, you know, I was always that person, go get her. I, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go do this now. I don't now, have now this anymore. Now I'll go right. get that. Exactly. So now there's this, there's these, these limitations, these blockades that are down in all these things that would be a normal segue for someone with my experience, my knowledge, my drive, whatever. So you can't re redefining yourself in this environment is such another huge challenge. Yeah. It just you know, it, beyond. It exponentially complicates. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And, and so, and then you told me that um, you even having your role change within your family because of, you know, how, how during Trump time, families broke apart mm -hmm. and now COVID time, yeah. families are breaking apart. But now the holidays, the holidays came and are, are coming. And I was told yesterday that my unvaccinated family couldn't join my vaccinated family. So my mom was going to have two separate holidays. And I said, you know what, <laughs> that's, that's not it. We're, you know, holidays are to get together. So me having dinner with my own family, which we've been stuck together for what, 600 or going on 800 days or whatever, <laughs> isn't really a holiday for on any measure. So these are things I never, ever, ever would have thought would come in between my family either, you know, yeah, so this is, this is a different idea yeah. within the, the family role structure. Yep. yep. Yeah, definitely. And I'm having to, to bite my tongue a lot with healthcare now too, just because of different beliefs. So it's, it's a challenge to be me. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Um, I never, I never thought at this point in my life that I would have this, this instability on so many levels and trying how, to keep myself how from going. Terrifying is that instability? It can be very terrifying because what can you say? What can you talk about? What can you, how can you if my own family is feeling this way, then that was my safety net, you know, through all these other things that happened because of the world, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So now my safety net is, has been also pulled out in a sense, you know, I think I can still call my parents, but beyond that, there's just this, now there's this discomfort amongst all of us, you know, with all these, you know, are you safe around the kids because the kids can give it to you? Are you safe because I'm vaccinated? You're not, you know? So there's just, I think the only place I can go now and like turn off all this stress is I go to Disneyland. Honest to God, like walking under that bridge plaque where Walt says, when you go past here, you leave the real world behind and enter the world of fantasy. That's really the only place where I can completely shut all of my craziness and stress and, and anxieties of, of my reality is to just go there and walk around and be silly and not think about it but anything around the house, anything around 
fucking anything on TV, anything on social media just brings it up. You can't escape it. Right. You know, you dream, you dream about it too. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's craziness. You know, I never, ever thought that there was this much time to have this much stress in a day, even, you know, when you start realizing all the encounters you have, not even leaving your own home because of the contacts and the things that you don't have. And it's, I, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. I, if you would have told me anything, like even half of this would have happened to me, I would have just said, are you crazy? <laughs> no way. But yeah, it's. And, yeah. and yet you're showing up here talking about it mm-hmm. and making a way forward. So how do you, so you, you said that you've gone through many things. So what in the past has prepared you for this moment? Well, um, in one of my divorces, there was uh, some major legal things that actually took my freedom away for 24 hours. <laughs> I was uh, arrested, had, they arrested me based on something that my ex-husband had accused me of. So ever since then, I said, as long as I wake up a free woman, then it's not, you know, hell has figured out. Come, hell, yeah, hell has not come to my door. Because <laughs> that was, yeah, that so was that's that's horrible. another comparison thing where right. So so comparison. The reason that I brought that up before is that sometimes when we compare things, then we downplay the gravity that really it is for us because mm-hmm. because our own pain and suffering actually we don't need to compare it because it is what it is and is valid however much we're painful and other people can say you're overreacting or underreacting but it's 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 ours and so in that sense comparison sometimes it's a double-edged sword but Mm -hmm. now in this case this comparison of any day i'm a free woman then i can figure something i can yeah Anytime that I, anytime that I can wake up without bars in front of me, you know, and, and have my, of my own volition stand up out of my own bed is because of all the tragedy I've seen in, in my life as a nurse is a very good day. It was a very good day because, you know, I've seen so many people where all of a sudden they have a diagnosis of multiple sclerosis and they can't walk, you know, um, people that wake up with having lost their eyesight or having had a stroke or, you know, so any day that I'm literally able to wake up free and stand up and walk to the, you know, walk to the bedroom door. I I'm already blessed. So Mm -hmm. I remember when I was a social work, um, intern at a VA hospital one summer and actually had two women with multiple sclerosis on my caseload. And, and, and it was a long-term care facility Mm -hmm. and, and I didn't know what I was doing. I had this wonderful social worker. And so I sit down with her and then she'd ask me, well, you know what, what, tell me about this case. And I would like, be like, well, you know, I don't know what to tell you. And, and she, and she says, you know, he can still transfer from his bed to, a to, chair. The, to the, not, well, not even the commode to the commode the right commode, next yeah. to the bed. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, what is the big deal about that? And she That's said, a big imagine, deal. imagine if he couldn't. Yeah, that's a big deal. And then I started to appreciate the 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 different gradations of yes. freedom and, and and an ability that we have that we just take for granted every yeah. day. Yeah. 
well, even the people that have, you know, uh, respiratory disorders and some of the things that are happening now, you know, being able to breathe well enough to walk a small flight of stairs. You know, when I used to see COPD patients, half the even... ward was filled with COPD. Yes. I didn't even know what that was for the audience. Yeah. It's chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. And apparently you get it more often from smoking than cancer. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And this poor one guy, he was, he was this little guy from Guam Mm-hmm. And, and he was in a wheelchair. He was just tiny and skinny and he, and he was on oxygen mm-hmm. and he went out on his little balcony and lit up. Oh, jeez! <laughs> did he take the oxygen off or did he go no. boom? He went boom. There was an explosion. Yeah. He went boom. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, he survived yeah. and everything, but that's just like, that was like the, the addictive nature of those oh yeah cigarettes. oh yeah we have a whole nother guy literally there. blew himself up yeah. and we're hit. very and we as nurses and respiratory therapists are very clear you know you are not to even spark even a spark on a bed can light a fire with pure oxygen in the room so people we, we're very good about telling them do not do this you know so yeah um we can go down that rabbit hole i've got lots of stories <laughs> but uh, yeah i think I guess because I've seen the worst of, of physical health. And I also have a psychology degree. So I, and I did a lot of, I did psychology rotations in nursing school where, you know, and my son's challenges as well. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful that I have at least a function, (laughs) functional mental health status, you know, and that I, I know how to freaking out, you know, you're okay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That I can stabilize myself at this point because I know people that can't cope with anywhere near what I'm coping with. And, and I get that a lot. The people that know my whole story, including all the things I brought up about my ex-husband and, and that situation, they go, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you're smiling. I don't know how you're not wanting to kill this person over here. You know, I don't know how, you know, and I have obviously have my moments. I'm not saying I'm at all perfect, but I, I honest to goodness, it is a very strong faith in God very, very strong faith in God and having a loving family and knowing that it doesn't do me any good to curl up in a ball because all that does is just time passes. And so I've, I've learned to kind of, um, what do you call it? Hasten my get over it stage and just Susan, put your big girl pants on and you got to do what it takes, what you have to do. Okay. Hold on. You just gave us a little formula. Okay. So (laughs) your faith in yes. God. Yep. Your, what was the second one? <laughs> Is it my moxie that I, that I don't give up? I just know that if I don't, if I lay in a, if I curl up in oh. a ball and, and feel sorry for myself, all it, the only thing that accomplishes is I lose time. Yeah. You know what I mean, so I've, I, I've realized over a lot of the crises I've been through that here, here's, here's my portal wisdom. If I let something that someone else does to me affect me, and affect my success and my happiness, they're the ones that win. Right. So people that have done mean things to me, whether it was in relationships or, you know, I've been taken advantage of a lot because I'm too generous sometimes with my time and with money and et cetera. And those people, if they can do that to me, and if I let that hurt me, then shame on me. You know what I mean? That's their issue, not mine. I have to remember that if I give somebody something, whether it's my time, my, my love or, or my money, whatever, and that that's because I got a giving spirit. If it's, if the person I give it to mishandles it or abuses me for it, 
that's on them. You know, if I, if I own any part of that, I have no control over that. Yeah. So if I, if I take that negativity into me, then I'm just hurting myself. That doesn't make any sense. So you mean, if in you the blame yourself movement, for what they did to you, right? Like, yeah, if I let them, you know, be mean back to me, or if I try to like control what they do with what I've given them, that's not, that's, that needs to be them. That needs to be, you know, I've done the giving you do with what you're going to do with what I gave you, you know? Mm -hmm. So if I, in other words, if I'm, you know, with my husband break, you know, our divorce that I went through it, you know, it would only be, he'd be the victor if I became someone that couldn't cope or never love again. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. So again, in, so in my situation now, if I allow myself to just sit here and feel sorry for myself and lose my house, you know, I, I'm, I've delivered groceries. I went to do Instacart and Uber Eats before I've done it before when I needed, you know, money for, you know, glasses for my kid or whatever. I, I, I'll do what it takes. People go, gosh, you have like how many college degrees and you're delivering food, but you know what? It's, it's instant money. And I actually, if I do it with a smile and I make sure I keep their food hot or cold and, and I'm smiling when I get there, they give me a tip. They appreciate that. I'm serving somebody and that that's fulfilling on a sense too. And I get instantly 30 bucks or whatever. So you got to do, there's a way to do it. You know what I mean? It's a mindset that I'm, I'm going to be okay. I just have to find, I have to redefine myself and find the, the most expeditious way. The part with art that concerns me is I don't want to lose my love for art in that I used to just do art when it made, when I was in the mood to do it. So yeah. if I'm having to do it, that's my fear, but, but that's sort you know, of God has given my me son with his pottery is like, you know, he's in production mode. His stuff is beautiful, by the way. I looked on his, you need to put his Instagram up for your listeners. Cause his stuff is really cool. Thank you. Really cool. I used to do pottery and I'm like, Oh man, how did he get that texture? And how did he get that angle? Fabulous. He should, he should show himself making, I said, one of the clips, he shows himself um, forming a bowl. Uh -huh. He should do more of that because that was super cool to watch. He used yeah. to go on Instagram live doing it. Yeah, he should. And, he and should so do for more. Your, for your art, you mm -hmm. can go on Instagram live too to grow your yeah. audience. Yeah. And I'm actually cool. in the process of redoing my art. I have an art studio room, you know, one room over from where I am right now. And I'm rearranging it so that I can get the camera, you know, equipment set up. Because right now Good. I have different lighting that's kind of in the way, you know, the lighting overhead. Right. So I'm, I've got some adjustments, but I will be, I'll be doing that shortly. I'm hoping within the next week or so, I'll be trying to do some stuff online live. Yeah. So, so how are you, how are you dealing with your heart right now with that text from your mom saying you're basically Ooh. not welcome? Yeah. <laughs> because you're, you know, different, you're, you're in a different class now. Yeah. And again, yeah. we're not judging. Yeah. Why is, you it, know, it is what it is. And everybody has their own truth and their own legitimate reasons for how they, their choices. I actually feel badly for my mom being put in that situation that she felt she had to do that. But my, my comment to her this morning was, I think it was just that we didn't have a dialogue, you know, about it. And so if, if we would have had a dialogue, not that the decision was just made and I was like, whoa, what, you know, <laughs> explain that to me. Yeah. There was a lack of respect. I think, I think that the respect would, would have been to like, call me, you know, actually have a live conversation, not just text it to me. Yeah. So that was, that was hurtful. So at this point, I just have to realize that they need to be comfortable 
and I don't want to ruin everybody's holiday. Right. And it, it's probably an opportunity to get to do something that our family, my, my nuclear family has really wanted to do. And we just never made time because we had these, these things. I need to establish maybe new traditions. Right. You know, I have, I have a, um, two more children that are, well, I have a 24 and a 17. They're not really children. One of them, my 17 year old is six foot seven. So oh. yeah. <laughs> and he wears a cowboy hat and boots. So when we walk through town, he's well over eight feet when you add all that, he's, he's just insane how tall he is. He makes my, my six foot body look small. Um, I think, again, I had to look at like, what, what is God, you know, wanting me to do in the situation? And so I'm going to be as, as tender with my mother, who's, you know, in her eighties, um, about this whole situation and try not to be spiteful or angry because, you know, they have to make their, yeah, yeah, again, again, it's like, if I let that hurt me, then that's my, my problem. I need to take better care. I have to do self-care when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. And it's, it was her decision to do it the way she did it. And I don't agree with it, but I respect my mother as I'm supposed to. And I love my mom and I love my daughter and, and all the people that are going to be in that room together. And it might be a way of God saying, you know what, it's not safe for us to be there. Maybe the kids would have it and we would get, it. you know, I've, we've all had yeah. COVID here, so I don't think it would be a, a you know, a problem because our antibodies, but we won't go down that rabbit hole. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, 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 I guess it was just sort of a shock to realize that now we're finally able to to gather, you know, and, and we're trying to get our identities back as these family units. And yet, obviously, I think my brother or my daughter's family have decided that they didn't want to be there if I was there. And so, and it's not that they hate me. It's just that they see me as the, the black sheep. <laughs> that, that well, might they, cause a they're problem. afraid. Yeah, they're afraid. Yeah. And so, but, but so I think, I think something that you brought up is important for other people who are in identity loss. And especially when you lose a a family member, Mm -hmm. um, is to make new traditions. Yes. Yeah. Because sometimes doing the same thing when a person is missing is so painful yeah, they may be miserable. They may not enjoy themselves because I was a big part of those celebrations. So it, they may be like, wow, where's Susan's, you know, jello salad? Where's Susan doing, singing the song that we always sing? Where, you know, so yeah. And actually I've wanted to take my kids up to like a, a Airbnb cabin somewhere at the holidays. Maybe we'll just do that finally, you know, go on vacation. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like literally to find, I'm, I'm so, I, we can see the beautiful snow mountains behind us, you know, whenever there's rain and there's supposed to be rain the next couple of days. So I'm going to see that snow and go, you know what, that's where we need to be. We need to rent an Airbnb with like a, you know, a big glass view of whatever snow, you know, that we have a lot of them up there that are really inexpensive and we should just do that. We'd bring our presents up there, maybe even bring a little Charlie Brown tree and call it, this is what we're doing. You know, my, my parents being in their eighties, I have to acknowledge too, that, that they're not going to be around much longer. And so traditions need to be carried on anyway. And so maybe this is a time that just has to start a little earlier than I wanted it to. Right. So not to, not to be stuck to what you want it to be when it's not there. Yeah. And then to be expansive and, and maybe think outside of the box. Yeah. Because you're not going to fit back into the same box, at least not right now. And then exactly. for other kinds of losses, you know, this kind of identity loss that we talk about in this um, 
podcast, this the topic that I interested in is is stuff that you can't retrieve. Right. And so you have to forge forward. Yes. And yeah. I I just I'm so impressed with how you are handling this. <laughs> and you. I hope that that we gave the audience some good tips. Do you have any like you know tips or advice for somebody in some sort of identity loss where they they don't especially those that are like in it right now like you are yeah yeah that and they might not have maybe as much confidence as you or maybe as yeah. much experience because yeah. some people you know things are going pretty well for a long time and this is the first big rug that's pulled out from under yeah. them yeah well, I think some people I've talked to that, like you say, don't have the same, maybe necessarily faith that I have, um, that has kept me going. There's always going to be, whether you believe it's God closing doors and opening new ones, or just literally whatever force of, of nature or being that you subscribe to there's, you know, change, change happens all the time. You know, everything only changes. constant is change. Exactly. Amen. That's the way that's a better way to put it. And so I, if you don't believe in a God, then maybe that's going to be a challenge. But, you know, if you do believe in a God and know that he's, that he loves you and that he wouldn't, you know, abandon you, then you got to acknowledge that even, even end times are going to be what has to happen. You know, change has to happen. If you can look at it like, okay, there's something I'm supposed to be doing here. Cause I don't think that, that God will abandon any of his, any of his people, frankly, you know, I don't, and I look, look over my crazy life and then all the times I should have been abandoned or uh, you know or felt abandoned and there was always this amazing thing looking back like even the arrest there's amazing things looking back at why that happened in context is you have to trust and if you can you know the only thing you have control of is what you're doing right this second like not even when you go when this podcast is over and walk out the room you know i don't have control of that the only thing you control of right now is what's happening right here i can't That's say oh moment. yeah there's going to be an earthquake when i get to the doorway is there going to you know you can't control what happened yesterday you can't control what you're, you can only control what you're doing immediately this moment and if you make smart choices to to be as, as positive and motivated in those moments you know it's going to be um in exponentially better for you. It There's adds a, up. So all those little positive moments add up. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you don't backslide. It just means mm -hmm. that you 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 have more momentum. So when you backslide, you don't go as far. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, and and self-care is huge. You know, get sleep, hydration, you know, the nursing part of me wants to tell people drinking good water, staying hydrated is a huge part of your mental clarity your aches and pains, your emotional mood. And I could, I could, I have an oil for that too. If anyone wants to talk about any kind of moods that are related to different oils, that's a whole nother subject, but you can find me on the social and I media. Wanna, I want to jump in here. <laughs> social worker wants to say, and allow yourself to feel the pain. Yeah. Allow yourself. I've cried. Cry. I cry. I cry. And it's important that you cry because being the stoic, sweet and Irish person that I am, I, many times I don't cry or haven't cried. And I did cry yesterday. And my mom told me that, and I have a husband now who I can cry in front of, you know, he doesn't know what to do necessarily, but hug me, but that's all I need at that moment is to just have him hug me. And that's such a huge catharsis people. It's not a sign of weakness to cry. Um, we're, that's a release. You, you know, you'd be surprised how many yeah. chemicals in your body that will eat the lining of your stomach. If you cry and those things get 
sent other places that are, you know, they're, they're not going to damage you. My 93 year old dad says it is so sad that half the world doesn't take advantage of this natural release mechanism Amen. that is built in us for a yes. reason. Yeah. Meaning yeah. that men don't cry and they are missing out. It's true. And, and it's been proven that that the ulcers that that most men, especially like back in the 60s, when the men had all that responsibility, you know, when that when the women weren't working, and you know, there was just all this stress on them. Ulcers were a huge problem, huge problem. And even now bleeding ulcers when I was doing chart review is it was it was coming back because these men were trying to stay strong for their families. And if they would just allow themselves go out and take a walk around the block. That's one thing that I was mentioning grounding earlier. There's so much to be said for taking your bare feet and standing on dirt. You know, seriously, there's, there's the minerals, energetics of there's the energies. Earth. Yeah. If you don't believe in the energies and things, that's fine. But just even just wiggling your toes in, in, in grass, you know, it's so calming. It's just close your eyes and listen to the birds. Don't look at the, you know, the mailman going by or whatever, just realize where you are in nature and the beauty of it. And the, there's and just to feel, to feel one with the earth exactly. at least for like 30 seconds yeah. of the day. Yeah. Well, you can look up grounding. Um, and I did some research on it recently because I really didn't understand it. And it's amazing what, you know, when we started wearing shoes as a race, so many illnesses came along with that. It's way more than I thought. My, my naturopathic studies now that I'm kind of leaving Western medicine by, by kicking and screaming the Eastern, the Eastern stuff and the, and just really nature, God gave us everything we need. It's just, we have to find it, whether it's squeezing a plant for its oil or, or, you know, standing on the minerals in the soil or walking along the beach for the salt and the air and the purity, you know, it, it's all there. And eating and the so, food as it grows out of the exactly. ground instead of turning it into something with a chemicals label <laughs> yes. with 20 words that you Amen. Amen. It's, it's, it's really kind of cool that in this transition too, that I've adopted so many like these natural things and just a few things I've done. I'm definitely looking forward to taking your class because you know, macrobiotics is something that has really, really piqued my interest. So you should make sure you post your mastermind link when you're ready for that. Um, but I'm looking forward to when that goes live because that's that's going to be super cool. Yeah, um, it's amazing. Basic right? cooking class. Make it. Yeah, she's going to teach you how to cook it and healthy. <laughs> so, yeah, I think, you know, all in all is just keeping that, you know, moving forward momentum. You're going to be a day older tomorrow. So you, you know, try to use that time as positive as you can. Cry when you need to cry reach out to a friend, you know, talk to someone that's going to just let you vent, you know, even if you just have to talk to the, talk to your dog, you know, I talk to my chihuahua all the time and she just licks me and says, it's going to be okay, mom, you know, and just, just to get it out of your body, get the negativity out, whatever it takes, you know. And um, one of the things that I wanted to say earlier, but I don't, when we have a major loss, mm -hmm. then it, there's a snowball effect and there's all of these secondary losses mm -hmm. that you don't always discover immediately. Like right yeah. now you have your secondary loss of, of not being able to be together with your family. Mm -hmm. yeah. so, so, so that part, you know, maybe we can logically understand because mm -hmm. there is like, you know, people have secondary their, reasons too. Yeah. Uh, but, but just, they didn't, they didn't like, talk to you about it they mm -hmm. sent you a text exactly so there's yeah. all these there's a, so anytime so this is the point i'm trying to make is anytime you have a major loss 
You're not only grieving that loss, you're grieving a mountain of losses that are, are connected to it. And that exactly. you, you discover, some of them you discover immediately, but some you discover over time. Like for me, when I lost my job as a social worker, I went off on disability and I ended up like being able to learn sewing mm-hmm. and um, never got it made into a business. And so what I found out is that I had this huge loss of the role model that my son needed me to be. Yeah. He yeah. needed, or at least that I needed, you that felt I he wanted needed. to be. Yeah. Because actually there's nothing illegal about being disabled. True. But I felt like it was because people treated me that way. But anyway, I, I wanted to be an independent person earning an income and for him to see me doing that. Yeah. But so that was a, this huge secondary loss that was, was just, and, and so that's, that's what I'm trying to point out is that, yeah. that be, be, look for the secondary, because you might feel like you're overreacting to mm-hmm. the loss that, that the you had, loss. Yeah, the but it's, loss. you're not just reacting to that loss. You're reacting to all this stuff underneath that's connected to that loss. And yeah. some of it, you don't even know yet. And yeah. so whatever your reactions are, they are valid. They are true for you. There's nothing wrong with them. And the more that we embrace them, and like you say, you let yourself cry Mm -hmm. and and you don't let yourself stay caught in that ball Mm -hmm. because you you let yourself go there and you don't stay there too long because that's where people can get stuck in grief. Yes, And, and And then when you're in grief, that's really bad for your immune right. system. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, and, and not only for your immune system, but it's harder to get out of that hole. You just like end up sinking more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There was a there was a gal that worked from home with, you know, when I was working from home before in a different company and we couldn't she didn't show up one day. She was always really, you know, very, de- very dependable. And a couple of days passed and I said, I'm worried about her. Can we send somebody like find out where she lives and, you know, have a wellness check done? And sure enough, they found her curled up on her bed in a ball because she just like realized that she had no human contact outside of, you know, us just being on the telephone with each other. There wasn't Zoom back then. And to just realize that she just felt so unsupported, you know, by the world, like she didn't, she didn't even, she would go out to get groceries and just come home. That was all she ever did outside of this work that she did from her bedroom. She never left the bedroom, you know? So if you get to a certain point where, you know, it goes beyond, you just going, okay, I'm done crying. I'm going to get up now and go have tea. And, you know, having healthy distractions and also having a healthy support system are huge. I'm sure you can, you know, speak to that, but, um, and me with my Disneyland and me with my, my dogs and my pets, you know, I have birds and I have dogs. And And it's our job to build those support systems because people are not going to come in and save us. Exactly. And that's that's, where we're not, we're, we're not in a family where mom and dad are going to come and save us. Right. We are the adult now. Yeah. And if you don't have the support system you need, mm-hmm. it's up to you to make it. Yeah. Well, and that's another the, the buzzword that you said. I wanted to put that in the t-shirt too, is no one's going to save you. You got to save yourself. Yeah. And so whether it's me going out and delivering food and finding whatever way I could possibly do, you know, can I make you an, a wreath if that's what, you know, it's going to pay my 
my dinner for the next two weeks or whatever. You know, you, you sometimes you have to be really creative with what you're doing to get yourself um, going, you know, again. And the, the name of the um the book that I still haven't written, you can you, you'll be able to tell how long I've been thinking about this book. It was called, it was gonna be called Be Your Own 911. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you had to change that. You had to change that in the name because now it, you know, people, a whole other meaning. Know what, yeah, yeah, we gotta, we gotta like we need support and we have to create and supervise that support and make sure right. that it's functioning because yeah. that support is not gonna be self um regulated right right they're not gonna and they're also gonna not gonna know you need support like a lot of people yeah. do see me as a and person they come to me all the time for when they're having their family crisis medical crisis or whatever you know so if i don't let them know like i raised my hand yesterday to a friend that and i called them and told them what happened to my mom and if, if i hadn't done that we had a great conversation and she you know built me up emotionally again you know, those people, they have to be, they have to know they need, they, they feel valued too. They want to feel like they mean something to you. So, you know, try to not be stoic on your own and let it get to a point where you're not able to, you know, pull yourself out of that ball as we call so, it. So I'm going to use a different word besides stoic. So yeah. for all of you in the audience who are having a tough time and you're the really strong person, it's hardest for the strong people to ask for help. Yeah. And everybody, and I'm including myself in this because I'm strong around us, they don't think to offer anything because we always take care of things for yeah. ourselves. And so even if we like give little hints, yeah. they don't pick up on it. Yeah. And unless, so we have to be very direct in, in, in letting people know what we need. And, and also you see, that's another problem when you're a mother and you've got kids, especially that might be hypersensitive to stress in this world, you, you put on that fake front. And then, so when you need help, you got to somehow maybe get out of where they can hear you and make sure they don't see you crying. And there's all that dynamic of trying to maintain my other identity of mother, you know, but yet still accomplish these things of pushing myself into a new new direction and calling on friends and my husband to support me emotionally without it affecting you know my my kids too so yeah we have to protect a, people yeah so yeah so it's a, it's a it's a very difficult thing it's a tightrope it's a very difficult dance it's a tightrope with a razor blade exactly exactly <laughs> so i want to interview you in six months okay and see <laughs> you are then yeah well hopefully i'm a I'm a world renowned artist. Just kidding. <laughs> what do you mean? Just kidding. Yeah. Let's say I mean, that again. Six months, six months might be a little tight for that, but well, you, actually, you don't have to develop the skill. All you have to do is develop, put it market. out there. Yeah. Yeah. I think actually what I'm hoping to be in six months is a, a writer that's being paid to write and an artist that's being paid to create things that people value. Paid well to create things. Yes. Yeah. So you're not a factory worker. Exactly. Yeah. You're, you're an artist that creates beautiful things for people that want to hang them on their wall. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Susan, this has yeah. been a delight. Thanks, Julie. Yeah. And like you, if they... yeah, I have a couple of Instagrams. One for my art is um, Susan McDonald Art. 
is one. And I have another art one that is probably sharing the similar thing, but it's Creative Haven Art Studio because I had a, a brick and mortar. So you may see that and get confused, but that's just, that's me as well. Um, and I'm on Facebook on the under that moniker too. That's uh, Creative Creative Haven. Uh, but hopefully we'll still be doing a podcast, but that one's down the road. But you know, at, at this point, I'm trying to do something called Real Health Simplified, which is a podcast that would would be simplifying your path through the healthcare system and Western culture. Um, you and I know, you know, social workers and nurses, there's definitely a way to do and a way to get what you deserve and what you need. So I'm hoping to bring that to fruition. If I see interest, then there's a way if you know how to pull the ropes. Exactly. Because it, because it's not, they don't make it easy. Exactly. They, any way to cut money, <laughs> right? Yeah. I know how to get people through the system with exactly what they, they deserve and how not to get screwed from their insurance companies. So I'm going to share that in some venue, whether it's through. Thank you so, thank you much. so much, Julie. It's been wonderful. Fun. And yeah. so excited that you are in light. Very, very, very dark moment. Yeah. And I wish you all the best. God's got And this. all yeah. of us, because there are, think that there are any really great answers right now that's my personal take exactly. on this yeah yeah um and so just um, gotta keep moving forward live that next moment and just our control that i think that's also something when you're in a strike in a crisis moment is really just focus on what you can control which is your response to things and how you take care of yourself in, in these in you know your minute that yeah, exactly and it's not being that. selfish it's not being selfish no yeah, you have to be strong if you're not healthy, then you can't help anybody else. Right. Remember, remember the whole oxygen mask. On I was going to say, I was just going to say that you know, how they, that's why they have you put your oxygen mask on first. So you don't pass out before you get it on your child, you know, or the person next to you. And that's really, really true. If you're not healthy, if you're the one that's, you know, gotten so run down that you can't function, then you're not helping yourself or anybody else. So you really do have to start with self-care and that, and self-care will make you feel better. There's many things you can do to, you know, um, I think that's what we up. sort of started the interview. You, you were talking about a whole bunch of self-care that you do. And, and yeah. those are great tips. Yeah. Yeah. I got a lot of them. So I'll share them on my Instagram. <laughs> All righty. Yeah. Thanks, Julie. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hey there. The value that you got from this today, take it into your heart, add value to it in your own life by putting it into practice and growing it to be part of your life your daily habits, the takeaways that you got from this. Words and thoughts only take us so far. It's implementing on those words and thoughts that will change your life. Ideas are just ideas. Taking action on ideas is where growth happens and freedom emerges from growth. Freedom from our past invisible binding. We're here to grow and release ourselves from our past constraints. With awareness, intention, and through taking action on new choices, we evolve. In this process, we exalt our pain and suffering into wisdom that empowers us. We all have the ability to transform and become that person we yearn to be. If today's episode added value to your life, please share it with others and make sure to subscribe to Bold Becoming Identity Retooled. And if you might, take a minute right now and leave a review 
so that others can find out about this podcast. If you'd like to contact me for one-on-one coaching or to get on the wait list for my Tough Stories workshop, send me an email and we'll be in touch. Be sure to check out our free Facebook group of Bold Becomers. The link's in the show notes.